Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to BBC Good Food's Cook Smart podcast. I'm your host, Malika Basu, a food writer and cookbook author with a passion for clever and efficient home cooking. I'll be speaking to experts in the know about their tips, tricks and advice to make us smarter and better in the kitchen. Now, to bake or not to bake? Waste not, want not. Today we're tackling energy and food waste in the kitchen. Joining me is Harry Kind from Witch, an expert on power and energy consumption, who also happened to live off food waste apps for a whole week recently. Hello, Harry. Hello. Good to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you here. And you are taking off two boxes for us that are on the lips of a lot of people's tongues. And that is saving power and energy, but also food waste in the kitchen. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a real worry. It really is. You know, this time last year, we were looking at food bills and energy bills, about half of what they will be this winter. And so if you were previously thinking, how can I shave off a few pennies? Now it's shaving off a few pounds. So all everything is twice as important. That's right. And, you know, we've been talking about what gadgets to use and, you know, we're talking about energy a lot more. But how do we optimize energy consumption in the kitchen, Harry? And the big thing I want to tell you is that I do not understand wattage at all. All the articles I'm reading are only serving to bamboozle me even more. Absolutely. It is a a minefield of confusing stuff. So the number you've got to be looking out for, 34p. That's 34p per kilowatt hour. That's our electricity bills for the next two years. So then you go, well, what is the kilowatt hour? That's our unit of energy that the all of the companies use to measure how much power you are using. So say you have a device that uses two kilowatts and you have it on for an hour. That will use two kilowatt hours. If you have it on for half an hour, it's one kilowatt hour. And so it would be about 16, 17p. And so all of the time, you should be looking for kilowatt hours and each one of those, that'll be 34p. Right. And you wanted to add up and not go much beyond that, presumably. And now there's some really simple ways in which to do that. I I believe you need to keep appliances plugged off. So switches switched off. What do we do here? Okay, so in the kitchen, the big appliances that are going to be using electricity are your fridge freezer and your oven. Actually, the most powerful appliance that you have is the kettle. You'd think, oh, it's a boring old kettle, but that is the thing that will really use a lot of power. It goes to three kilowatts, but luckily you only keep it on for a short amount of time. 
So everybody knows this, but don't fill up your kettle more than you need. So if you're going to have one cup of tea, don't fill up a whole kettle for it. And that will cut down the amount of time it takes and that cuts down your ultimate energy bill. Great. But then also, you've got your big things like your fridge freezer. Obviously, don't turn that off. Oh, my goodness. Please Can don't. you imagine... I, I, you don't have to imagine. People have been doing it. And, that you know, that just shows what kind of situation people are in of at course. the moment, trying to save some money. Uh, but absolutely don't. Not only will it give you food poisoning, it's not going to save you any money. Because... It's also deeply energy efficient, isn't it? Exactly. Because if you turn it back on, it'll take longer to get things cold again. Exactly. It's not a magic box. A fridge and a freezer, they take effort to keep things cold. So anything that you do to introduce warmth into the equation, it's just more work it has to do. So that goes for, for example, putting leftovers in the fridge. Wait for them to cool down, and the fridge won't have to do as much work and use as much electricity to get it down to the fridge temperature. Um, and then the opposite is true for defrosting. If you take things out of the freezer, uh, don't try and defrost them in the microwave. If you're not going to, you know, it, plan ahead put them in the fridge, it cools down the fridge, and it means that you're not wasting electricity going the other way, trying to bring things up to temperature. That makes complete sense. Now, can we please talk about the oven? Yes. So It's slightly fallen out of favour, hasn't it? Uh, people, I think, are a little bit scared. It's a big old box. It takes a lot to heat it up. It's on there for a long time. It, it, it feels like it costs a lot of money. It's actually a lot better than most people think. The prices uh, and the efficiency has improved. Uh, so actually, it's not as bad as some people think. But that said, try to use the appliance that's best for the cooking that you're doing. So don't turn on the oven for you know, couple of cooking a couple of cook uh, chicken breasts. You're better to use like an air fryer for that kind of thing. Whereas an oven is great if you can heat it up keep it going for an hour and cook loads of different meals. You know, you can chuck a roast chicken in there, you can roast some carrots, you can make uh, Yorkshire puddings, all in that same heated box. So if you're going to make the effort to heat something up, use it as much as possible. And to stuff it, that's the one thing I don't think I've been doing properly and well enough, is you can use the base of the oven that to crisp things on mm -hmm. the bottom. So you can do that. You can then have a cake and you can have something else happening. So a savoury and a sweet, which feels, it feels awkward, but it is entirely doable, isn't it? Y your oven hasn't got a tongue, so it doesn't right. mind too much. Um, that said, there are other things you can do, like keeping it clean. You know, that's not just a, um, it's not just for aesthetics. That will make your oven run efficiently. But also, talking about stuffing your stuffing the oven, don't have loads of baking sheets in there that you're not using. Some people store their baking sheets in there, and that can restrict the airflow, and it means that you're not going to have quite uh, quite the efficiency of cooking that you should. That's interesting. And what about the settings in the oven, Harry? God, you're you're like the you're <laughs> such an expert. You can't leave, by the way. I'm not letting you go home today. You're going to stay here and tell me all about my kitchen appliances because I feel like I could be so much more efficient. Um, the grill setting versus the actual baking setting, and also, sorry, while we're at it, fan assisted versus. Not fan-assisted, please. So fan-assisted should lower the price of any uh, any particular cycle, is what they call it in the energy industry, the cycle of cooking. To you and me, it's you know a roast or a bake. So fan-assisted should lower the, uh, the price on that. That said, a grill is a very energy-efficient uh, system, especially if you can get a grill that's separate from the main oven. My rule of thumb is the smaller the box, the cheaper it will be. So 
instead of having to heat up a, a massive, you know, three foot by three foot kind of area or whatever it is, you're, you're, you've just got a smaller box. And whether that's the grill, whether that's an air fryer, whether that's a slow cooker or a microwave, only heat up as much as much space as you're going to cook in. Uh, this is so interesting and I love that. And it, it's absolutely obvious, isn't it, when you start thinking about it. Heating a larger space is, of course, going to cost more mm-hmm. and, and take more time. The um, I'm happy to hear about the grill as well, by the way. You've segued very nicely into the next question I was going to ask you which is about all these gadgets we're hearing more about. So there are the gadgets we already, a lot of people have, you know, ovens, grills, fridge freezers, kettles. There are also microwaves, which many people have, not everybody. And now there's all these new things in the mix. So we're talking about how efficient air fryers can be and slow cookers and pressure cookers. The question I have for you is there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, is there? How does energy efficiency vary from home to home, family to family, individual to individual? Not everybody's feeding a family of, you know, two grown-ups, two little people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I it's you might think, oh, air fryers, quite an efficient gadget. I'll cook a whole roast dinner in them. And so, you know, you fill it up once, you cook the stuff, you fill it up again with the carrots, you fill it up again, you run it, you run it, you run it, and that's going to cost you more money. And so you'd have been better off putting that in the oven. If you've got a, a big family, it's going to take you ages to cook in an air fryer if you're cooking everything in an oven setting. So put that in an oven rather than an air fryer. Equally, if you're someone who's just going to chuck on some food because you've just got back from work, you live alone, something like an air fryer or a microwave makes perfect sense. And then leftovers come into play. So something like a slow cooker, fantastic gadget, hardly uses any electricity whatsoever, even though you're running it for five hours. You use it, you fill it up, it uses cheap meats, cheap cuts of meat, loads of beans and pulses. You can cook a big batch keep that in the fridge or the freezer afterwards, put it in the microwave. It's a really energy efficient way of cooking, whether you're on a massive family size or a single person family. That's that's a great tip, actually. Uh, you know, slow cookers are very much at the top of the mind at the moment. And it's sort of what you do with it. Um, and we have been talking about, you know, how you might add flavors later, you know, bring it to life in different ways. It doesn't all have to be the same soup or the same stew. Mm. Um, so it's good to know that that's one of the most energy efficient devices, actually. It, it really is. And it's also great because unlike, say, uh, a microwave or an air fryer, you can put any old rubbish in it almost, and it will taste good. You know, the bad bits of the cow and the old moldy vegetables at the bottom of the drawer. It doesn't have to look good if it's in a stew. People have been doing that for centuries. You pop it in for five hours and somehow by some miracle it comes out looking beautiful. Of course, and a curry, you know, and like those Indian slow-cooked curries. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Great in a slow cooker, even some of our lentils, like our dals, that could do with a lot of cooking. Popping them in a slow cooker would be fantastic as well. Um, because, of course, we simply cannot waste any food at the moment. 
right? So the energy efficiency, and I know we've we've kind of brought those three the mm-hmm. three things mm-hmm. together: power, energy, food. They're so incredibly interlinked. And I really wanted to talk about food waste with you as well, Harry, because um, according to recent statistics, the average UK household wastes eight meals a week. That is a staggering figure. And also the average British family is wasting approximately £800 worth of edible food a year. And that includes staples like bread, bananas and milk. Um, They top the list of the most binned items. And now banana cake, of course. We can't bake banana bread unless it's going in with something else because the oven doesn't have a tongue. I love that quote. So can we just talk a little bit about that? What is the scale of the problem here? Well, the problem is huge. Let's take it on like a carbon emissions point of view. If food waste were a country in a a global sense, it would be the third biggest emitter of carbon dioxide in the world. It is a huge problem. And on, on the other side, you've got food prices going up. So milk inflation is about 40% in the last year. General groceries, about 17%. And people are spending £570 more a year on food than they were this time last year. It's just completely impossible to deal with. Fortunately, those two problems have the same solution, which is tackling food waste. Uh, Not only will it save you money, it'll save the planet. Absolutely. And there's so much we can do at home, isn't there? So how the whole point about saving food waste, I'm assuming you're a great cook. Um, And do you, you know, in my culture in India, we do a lot with sort of peels Mm -hmm. and ferments and, uh, you know, things like um, watermelon rinds. We make a curry out of watermelon rinds. Um, We pickle, um, you know, food that's in season. And what are your top tips for dealing with food waste? Well, a freezer will always be a good friend for food waste. If you've got something, it's reaching the end of its life in the fridge, you can pop it in the freezer. But that said, even the way that you use a fridge can impact how much food that you waste. So if you overstuff your fridge, air can't circulate through it. And so some areas get almost freezing and the food gets damaged that way. And other areas are too warm. So stuff uh, food will spoil far too quickly and then you're just you know you're wasting two lots of food make sure that you're not overfilling and then air can circulate and then food will last longer as well as uh, saving you money on energy that's a great tip, actually, and not something that I've thought of hugely. And, you know, often as a home cook, you'll pop things in the fridge and a freezer and slightly forget about it. Yeah. And so thinking a bit differently about making the most of your fridge, not only for food waste, but also for energy efficiency, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, do you have a view on sell, use by dates and sell by dates and all of that? Yes. So the general rule is use by dates, stick to the letter of the law on that one. Don't take your chances with food that's past its use by date. When it comes to best before, that is advisory. You can play around with that as much as you want. You know, be sensible. That will usually be on food that there's no risk of uh, food poisoning. You can find websites online that will sell you massive crates of food that's past its best before date. I got a a one kilo uh, lint bunny for a tenner online, which should have been £40. Gave it away for a wedding gift. Don't tell the bride. But um, Let's hope she's not listening, Harry. Oh, hopefully not. She's gorging herself on chocolate. Uh, So (laughs) hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully she doesn't listen. But it will, um, there are 
I, I wouldn't be following best before uh, dates to the letter of the law in that case. But also, it's great. We're seeing more and more shops shifting away from best before so that their their fresh veg doesn't have a date on it. And so they throw away less food. And that's very much the way for a lot of communities, isn't it? Like mm. I didn't grow up in India with any best buy used by. You basically use the old fashioned sniff test, you know, sight test, sniff test, taste mm-hmm. test. And that was it. And, I, you know, I love a whoopsie. So I often go around supermarket aisles and pick up, you know, fruit that's perfectly fine. You can maybe remove the odd uh, odd bit that doesn't look quite right. And I turn it into ice lollies for the kids and smoothies, um, just like, on you know, or often things that they can have with yogurt, compotes and purees, because um, they do have life still left in them. Hundred uh, percent, and and a, a, an appliance that is very cheap to run is a blender. It barely uses any electricity in the brief period that you have it on, and it can turn some ugly stuff that's just passed its sell by into something beautiful. And soup as well. Perfect. Yeah, soup is a great one for blenders. Mm-hmm. So that's again using veg that's maybe not looking as fabulous as it once did, but great as soup to puree. Um, you lived off food waste apps for a for a week. Um, I'd love to hear how that went, and also tell us more. I've never used a food food waste app, and I I'm about to. I can thoroughly recommend them. So these are schemes started off, I believe, as a nonprofits that um, try to unite people with food that's about to go out of date, often sold in in cafes or restaurants or or even some supermarkets. So say you've got a load of sausage rolls, it's towards the end of the day, you're never going to sell them, otherwise they're going to go in the bin. What this app Too Good To Go does is says, uh, here's a bag from Greg's. They are, uh, you know, they're, they're selling it at a certain price. You don't know what's going to be in it. So you buy it and uh, it's at a massive cut discount. You pick it up at a certain time. You've saved them food from being thrown in the landfill and you saved yourself some money. And I lived off those for for a week. And uh, it it was an interesting experiment. <laughs> you say interesting. I, I want to hear interesting is an interesting word, isn't it? Harry? It is. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find it? I'm, I'm keen to discover more. That they're a great app for if you want to be eating a lot of cafe sandwiches or cakes and things like that, that's primarily what's on that app. But if you're just going to be man cannot live on bread alone, uh, which is basically what I did uh, for that whole week. So I was really struggling to find any fruit and vegetables on there because of just the nature of what was going off at that mm-hmm. time, what, uh, what companies were on there. It also meant I had very unpredictable meal times. So there were some times when I was waiting for the 10 o'clock bag to come live, going to uh, a petrol station in the middle of nowhere, paying my £3 and ending up with a chicken tikka masala ready meal that I had to eat in two hours before the use-by date. Mm. A few stories like that. But it, what was great is that I discovered loads of interesting food combinations. I don't know if you've tried chicken tikka masala with Yorkshire pudding. Don't be ridiculous. Fantastic. Fantastic flavour combinations. The textures. Oh, That's it. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. But no, worth a try. Um, but no, really, really worth trying out, even if you can't last uh, a whole week. Uh, we, we also used another app called Olio. Yes, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, that was fantastic. So rather than being something that you paid for, Olio was completely free and run by volunteers. An amazing service. Uh, it, it takes the food that hasn't even been sold on the kind of yellow sticker, best before. A uh, volunteer will pick that up, will list it on the app, 
and then people are, are welcome to come and collect it from their house uh, so that they can make use of it. And sometimes that was people who were struggling to, to make ends meet, to find food for the week. Sometimes it was people like me who were desperate for some uh, veg on a, on a free experiment weekend. Uh, but then there were a lot of people who were using it to, to feed uh, homeless people mm. who were cooking up massive, great big plates oh, of food. Lovely. Some people who were, you know, having amazing big charity events. And, and it was a fantastic network, which is cutting food waste, saving people money, saving the planet, but also just, you know, doing a nice thing for people. It sounds great. And I'd love to explore it more because I I am a big fan of that sort of thing. Um, When you do shop for fruit and veg and um, we talked about, well, I talked a little bit about smoothies and sort of last minute treats, fruit fruit and veg treats for the kids. Um, Do you do any fermenting? Do you do any pickling fermenting? I've I've dabbled myself with uh, fermenting uh, with a, a very dodgy kimchi, which didn't go well. Um, I was in Carmarthenshire at the time, which didn't have the best uh, Korean food stores in the area, mm. so I was lacking some ingredients. But I should definitely give it a try. Yes, I'm I'm a big fan, and I I feel like there's definitely more that can be explored on that front. I mean, you know, fermenting pickling isn't for everyone, of course, and it does take time and a bit of effort. But I, you know, being Indian. We do ferment a lot of things and I got quite into it. And in the pandemic, I started baking my own sourdough, brewing my own water kefir. And so I wondered if there were more things there that we should all just explore and look into. Absolutely. You know, these are great things that can make the most of of leftover food. They can be a a fantastic project for for kids to get involved in and can save you money if you're, instead of buying a load of yogurt, you're making it yourself. It doesn't take fancy machinery or complicated gadgets or anything like that. It's a a great way of of cutting costs this winter. Mm -mm. The the one thing I did start doing is um, leftover milk. So milk is a huge problem, of course, as I've mentioned earlier. But, you know, often I will have milk that's gone slightly past its best before date. And I bought a tofu press and I make paneer in it. Ah. And so it's quite it's quite sensible because it's it's not very messy at all. It's a little a little gadget, similar sort of structure that you get at the end. So it gets all the water, the excess moisture out. And, you know, the paneer is absolutely fine. You basically make your own fresh cheese. It's it's magic, isn't it? It's absolutely <laughs> magic. And 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 what's great is that you know over years and years and years, people, societies have been coming up with ways to make the most of the food that they have. And and as we get to a time when people do have to make the most of the food that they have, turning back to those recipes is just a great way of making the most of what you have, rather than having to go out and spend a load of money. I completely agree with you. And actually, looking back, but looking outwards as well. So obviously, asking our parents and grandparents because they're you. There was a big culture of saving food waste and being economical that we slightly lost mm-hmm. in in recent years. But um, but also looking outwardly at other cultures because a lot of cultures around the world, you know, they do food waste, saving food waste just generally. They cook economically just generally. You know, it's the sort of thing. My mom, you know, it's not something she does. She does especially. Uh, She's doing it all the time anyway. So perhaps looking at food waste examples from from other cultures. 
Um, I was I was looking at a recipe for using food waste scrap and turning that into kimchi, which really intrigued me. So that's one project I've got sitting around and waiting for me at home. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's making stock, whether it's making kimchi, there are so many resources for making the most of the food that you've got. And, you know, maybe you don't even have to turn on the oven to do it. Yes. And you know, is there a most efficient way of cooking? I was going to ask you, oh. Harry, is there like one, <laughs> like if if I were to put you on the spot and say, what is the most efficient way to cook? What would you say? It's just going to vary from person to person so much. If you're cooking for, you know, a huge household of people, a very efficient way of cooking, by the way, if everyone's eating the same thing, then, you know, a, an oven might be the way to go. A massive slow cooker might be the way to go. But if you're just cooking for yourself, then chucking something in the microwave will cost you pence. And it's important to note here that really we are talking about you know, an oven annual running cost is maybe about £80 under the new price cap. So that's the ballpark we're playing in. It's not something that's going to to cost you the earth or save you loads of money. We're talking about margins, but there's still stuff that you can do. Because everything then adds up. You do one small bit and you make certain changes. And so much of this, like just listening to you today, is not about a complete rethink, but about just changing your mindset, approaching things a little bit differently and being economical across lots of different um, aspects. And then suddenly things start adding up. They really do. And and the problem with money-saving tips, I think, is that so many people have done them already. Exactly. They're halfway there and they don't want to be told again and again, this is, you can save money with this. But in amongst everything, there will be something that you don't know. You'll learn something new, whether it's cleaning the back of your fridge to make sure it's running effectively or making sure that the seals are good on an oven door. All of these things, they add up, they save you money, and it might not be enough to you know, pay your energy bills, but it helps. And isn't it just a better way to be? Shouldn't we be doing that anyway? And it's interesting you say that about people often do a lot of these things anyways. There are lots of groups and forums and, you know, people at home can often, home cooks can be very, very canny already. But, you know, it is about idea sharing and knowledge sharing. And if we can be better in any way, then why not? Absolutely. And, you know, it's never been a better time to be a home cook. You've got people like Jack Monroe out there giving you budget food tips. You've got people on forums. You've got people on TikTok teaching you how to cook. Or None of this costs any money. It's, it's just an amazing time to go out and experiment. Uh, and, you know, you might actually find something that you like eating as well. Uh, we always find something we like eating, <laughs> Harry. That is like baseline, okay, mm-hmm. baseline of home cooks. Um I would like to finish by maybe talking a little bit about behavioral nudges. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're busy, you know, like home cooks, there's a lot going on. And these new financial pressures and worrying about energy costs, it's it's just another layer of things that have piled on pressure. Mm -hmm. And and actually, um, it's also about thinking what you can what you can emotionally, physically take on? What else can you do to accommodate these big shifts, which for a lot of us, you know, we've we've never faced things like this in our lifetimes. So um, if I had to ask you, and you've mentioned a couple of them already, like clearing out the fridge, uh, making sure the door's sealed, you know, one of the things my kids will do is just leave the fridge door a bit ajar. And it used to irritate me. And now it sends me into spasms. Mm -hmm. And I think they're learning that it can never happen again. And we've even shortened cost of living crisis to CLC. 
because I've said it so many times that it is now an acronym, basically, yeah. that I shout and then they know that something terrible has happened. But are there some things, one or two things that we can start doing straight away and maybe a few more tips like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as ways for us to be better and embrace these big, you know, changes. My advice is always there's so much out there. There's so much pressure. My advice is to prioritize. There are some things that will cost you a lot of money. Anything that involves heating something up, whether it's your your heating system, a dishwasher, a washing machine, use those efficiently with eco modes. And then, you know, you can spend less time worrying about going around at night, turning off your TV at the wall to make sure you're saving money. You know, my dad, I'm always yelling at him because he will put the effort in to turn gadgets off at the plug. But then we'll run a dishwasher on the hottest, most expensive setting. Mm. And you're never going to make up the cost of any, you know, of ever doing that with uh, turning things off standby. So everyone has enough to be doing already, but prioritize those big areas tumble dryers, dishwashers, ovens, fridges, and uh, and your heating system. I love that. Gosh, tumble dryer is not going to be used like ever again mm-hmm. until we know what's happening with energy. That That's a complete, it's stopped completely. Um, does it matter? So you're saying it doesn't matter a huge deal to be turning off things like the television. It's picking the big things that matter. I think every, every little helps. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're, if you have a, I suppose, an emotional budget to be spending, Spend it on the things that are going to matter. Of course. On the things that will save you the most money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can save, I believe, 50p roughly a year by not having your TV on standby. Really, it might not be worth the effort of, of turning it off when you could be spending that time cooking a lovely so- slow-cooked meal, for example. That would save you more money potentially. Um, but then there are other things. If you come to replace your appliances, make sure that you go for something that will be environmentally friendly, that will be energy efficient in the long run. Because over a 10-year lifespan, you can be saving thousands of pounds for the sake of maybe spending 20 or 30 pounds more on a, on a tumble dryer. Uh, and you may- make a very good point there because it's not about just going off and rushing and buying all these new appliances because that's another environmental Mm -hmm. impact of your old appliances. It's actually when you're replacing them, making sure power and energy and environmental impact are front and centre of the mind, right? Absolutely. Uh, Electronic waste is a huge problem, but also, you know, it costs a lot of money to to buy some of these gadgets. And and maybe if you're not going to be using it a whole lot, you might not ever make that money back in the efficiency savings with a new gadget. So look at what you've got. A lot of people have got a slow cooker gathering dust. A lot of people will have neighbours with them that they can can borrow or they can buy on a second hand. Go for something that you genuinely will use because, you know... is a lot of money, some of these gadgets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Harry? Have we forgotten to talk about something? What should our, what should our listeners um, do? Anything on top of what you've said already? So I would say make sure that you aren't... Um, Make sure you're not using your your appliances and your oven and your fridge inefficiently. So don't be forcing them to cool down things that are too hot, to heat up things that are too cold. Let the the uh, room temperature do the work. Let the fridge benefit from something defrosting in there. Um, but but also you know. It, 
what a, a really simple way of doing a little bit of an audit of your own home is to, if you have a smart meter, if you've got a visible meter, go around turning things off, turning things on, see how much these gadgets are actually costing you, because some of them might be surprisingly cheap, and some of them might be scarily expensive if they're really old and you don't use them that often. We heard about a chest freezer in someone's garage that was costing £600 a year, oh. and they barely used it because no. it was an old model. And so if you can find those vampire appliances that are draining you of electricity, then that could be a big saving. I think you may have just convinced me to get that smart meter sorted at at long last. Harry, you've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. No problem. And uh, I look forward to saving more waste in my kitchen. I, me too. I'm going to try out some of those kimchis. Great. Harry has inspired me to experiment with apps that avoid food waste and to adapt a few things in my kitchen. Here are three of his genius tips. One, always cool down leftovers before sticking them in the fridge so it's not using extra power trying to maintain the right temperature. Two, use your smart meter to measure how much power you're using and eliminate those greedy appliances. I really need to get one of those. And three, check the seals on your oven door to ensure it's working as efficiently as possible and give it a regular clean. Remember, ovens have no taste. You can cook more than one thing at the same time. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Download the BBC Good Food app today and get inspired in your kitchen. Try a three-month free trial and discover more than 15,000 recipes to help you cook your best every day.